This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're listening to episode 70 of the Keto for Women show. You're listening to the Keto for Women show, and I'm your host and nutritionist, Sean Miner. This show is designed to empower women to find their own expression of the keto diet to maximize their health and happiness. Now let's get started with today's episode. Hey there, friends. Welcome back. Thanks, as always, for joining me on this episode of Keto for Women and another episode where I'm just going to talk and we'll see how this goes. It may actually be broken up into two episodes because I have a lot to say, as usual. And this is another case where we're going to be talking about keto, but more than just keto, because as we've all known now that we're 70 episodes into the Keto for Women show, there's a lot more to it than just talking about keto, especially if we really want to heal our bodies, which is what we're here to do as Keto for Women listeners. Before we get into that, let's talk about some quick announcements. I do wanted to chat about our newest sponsor to the Keto for Women show, the Fat Fuel Company, and their amazing fat fuel coffee and hot cocoa packs that are just incredible. They taste so good. They have grass-fed butter powder, MCT oil powder, coconut oil powder, all right into this packet that already contains the cocoa. It already contains the coffee. It's organic. There's no additional ingredients. There's no additional sweeteners, nothing. It's just really simple ingredients in this little packet. And all you have to do is put it in some hot water or cold water if you want cold coffee or cold cocoa and blend it up. And really, it doesn't even take a blender. All it does is take some good stirring and you've got a really nice, smooth cocoa or coffee. It makes it so easy to still get your fats in while you're traveling. I love it for snack time. I can already tell you it's really cold here today in Boulder. It's like going to snow tonight, which is insane because it's only October and the beginning of October. But this is why I live in Colorado because you never know what you're going to get. But anyway, I can already tell you that once this podcast taping is over, I'm going to go make some fat fuel hot cocoa because it is the best snack that keeps your fats up, keeps you satisfied, gets rid of any sweet tooth you might have, all while not giving you any additional sweetener or sugars, which is awesome. So please head over. You've got to try this stuff. You'll want to go to shop.fatfuelcompany.com and make sure to use the coupon code KETO, the number four women, to get 20% off your order. That's shop.fatfuelcompany.com and use the coupon code KETO, the number four women. And I'll make sure to have all of this listed out in the show notes so you can go ahead and hop over there really easily. You will use them for different things at different times, and they're both amazing. You will love the taste so much. 
Other than that, not a whole lot new going on here. As I've mentioned in the past few weeks, working on a special project right now, and it's taken up quite a bit of my time, but trying to do so in the most organic and stress-free process, which if you've ever created any sort of projects, which I'm sure you all have at some point, it can be stressful and it can come as more of a task than a want to task. And I'm trying to keep that in more of the organic flow, wanting to create this project. And so it takes a little bit longer when you do it that way, because you have to get into some good alignment to make it actually flow out of you. So I'm doing that right now. And other than that, just getting ready for fall and winter, which is some of my favorite times of the year, believe it or not. I like cold weather for the most part until it gets to be like two months in and then I'm sick of it. So we'll see how that goes. All right, let's move into today's episode. What I want to do today, first of all, is I want to share my story again, which I know if you've listened to the Keto for Women show from day one, then you know my story, at least most of it. If you've heard me on other podcasts or if you've heard me speak live, then you know parts of my story as well. Although all of these are cases where I really have to rush through it and I can't share the details. But what I'm finding is that when I do share bits and pieces of the details of my health journey, I get a lot of questions. I get a lot of interest. I get a lot of wondering if that's something that other people are going through and if that's something that they need to start looking into, especially with the mold stuff. And so I do want to take one episode of the Keto for Women show to really deep dive into that, although I want to do it as quickly as possible because then we're going to transition into the 10 things that I do to stay healthy. So now it's taken several years for me to regain total health and we'll go through that. But now what do I do to stay here? What have I done over the past year and a half, two years, I guess, to maintain this new level of health that I have found where now I'm in the healthiest I ever have been in my life? What am I doing to keep it there? And Of course, keto is a factor, a huge factor. We're going to talk about that and we're going to talk about what my keto looks like for me, although I know you all know this because you listen to me quite often talk about that. But I want to, again, go through some of the details of that. But then there's so much more to what I do every single day to keep my health at the level that it's at. And I want to go through this with you because, you know, I still get a lot of questions and a lot of complaints and comments and all the things about why keto isn't working, why their body isn't responding, what's wrong with them. And I go through it a lot here, I know, but we really, really need to continue to explore all of the other ideas as to what it takes to be healthy, because it's not just keto. It is so many other things. I have nine other things besides keto that I do every single day of my life to stay healthy. So that's probably not even all of them, honestly. That's just kind of what I came up with when I was writing the notes for this episode. I'm sure there's more that I don't even realize that I do at this point because they're second nature, but I tried to get them all. So we'll go through that. But I want to really, really keep hammering this concept in that you've got to look at everything in your life. If you truly want to reach a new level of health, which I think is why you're all here, why you're all doing keto, 
what you're all trying to find out about your body and you want to get to that next level. And this is what you need to do. There's a lot more to it. So we'll go through all of that today, but probably also in the next episode too, depending on how fast I can talk, but I don't want to totally lose you all. So I'll try to keep it chill. All right, let's start with my backstory. I know I've talked about this. A lot of stuff I just kind of think comes out as I'm chatting about some other topics and I'll reference my experience personally, but I think having it all in one particular place where I can point people to if they do have more questions about what I personally have been through, I think it's really helpful. And if you've already heard this, I think it's kind of helpful to hear it again and just to remind yourself that what I have learned, what I teach now, everything I have been through and want you to go through on your path to healing is because I have a background. I have a story behind it. I have a place of getting to the bottom of the bottom in how I felt and having nowhere to go but up and really getting to this place of just desperation. And I think a lot of you have been there or maybe you're there now. So I just want to remind you that I have been there too. I completely understand where you're at right now, how it feels to feel that hopeless, to feel frustrated with your body, to feel confused, to not know where to go next and to not be getting the answers that you want to get. I have been there and I totally understand. And that's why I have the passion that I have to help you all. So let's start from the beginning really my beginning of health journey, I guess we'll say, started in 2008. So it's been about 10 years that I've been working on my health. Now, before 2008, I thought I was healthy. Although now knowing what I know, I can see that I was definitely on a path to destruction. I was basically asking for everything that happened to me to happen to me because I, you know, of course, grew up in the no fat phase in the diet phase. I was on a diet basically from I'd say ninth grade all the way until a few years ago. I was on a diet, I guess my entire adult life. And a lot of that was a fat free craze, uh, very processed and packaged foods, super, super low calorie. Like most of the time, I would say in that time frame, I was eating about 1200 calories a day, sometimes less than that, working out every single day, you know, really putting some hardships on my body, doing quite a bit of damage. And it was only a matter of time for it to kind of all unravel. I was eating a lot of fake sugars. I was drinking a lot of coffee and energy drinks. I was drinking a lot of alcohol. I definitely had a party phase for some of my adult life. I would say from college into, you know, my late twenties, early thirties was kind of a party-ish phase of my life. So that's kind of a long time of that. And so wreaked some havoc on my body for sure in that regard too. Lack of sleep, just, you know, the damage that alcohol can do staying up late, those kinds of things. So anyway, things started to kind of unravel in 2008 when I was diagnosed with my first autoimmune disease, which was ulcerative colitis. Now, the symptoms I was having to get me to go to the doctor and get this diagnosis was that I would have to go to the bathroom 10 to 15 times per day. Some of that time, it was blood some of that time it was mucus. So that's pretty alarming. And if you've ever had that happen, if you do have a sort of colitis or some sort of 
other inflammatory bowel disease, then you know it's scary to see that happen. And it was a company with pain and cramps and just not feeling well at all. So obviously you go to the doctor, you go to the gastroenterologist. I had a, a sigmoidoscopy and was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. At that time, I was put on medication for this. It was nine pills a day. And I took that for a couple of years and then it started not working and went back to the doctor, got on a different medication, was told that this would just be my life basically from there on out. And at that point, it really just did not sit well with me. It really did not make sense that there wasn't more that I could do with my lifestyle that would help to keep this from flaring up, to make the medication work better or perhaps get me off of medication to keep these symptoms from happening. So that's the day, which was now six years ago. That was the day that I went home from that doctor's appointment and researched diet and autoimmune disease. And when I Googled that, specifically diet for ulcerative colitis, I found lots of really great success stories of people changing their diet and being able to put their autoimmune disease in remission. So this kind of diet was a paleo diet, which was grain-free, refined sugar-free, soy-free, dairy-free. That change in diet, making those changes, was all it took for these people to put their autoimmune disease in remission and potentially be able to get off medication as well. That was enough for me to literally the next day go to the store, buy all fresh vegetables and meats and fruits and nuts and seeds, take out everything else that was already in my pantry that was a grain or dairy or soy base or whatever it was. And at the time I was a personal trainer. So I was already eating a quote unquote healthy diet. I was eating a lot of chicken breasts and rice, brown rice and frozen vegetables, random protein bars, that kind of thing. Cleaned all that up and changed my diet to a paleo diet. This was around the same time that I also started training for my first figure competition. So that meant, again, I was in the fitness industry. I had just started my own personal training business. I really wanted to use this as a means to prove that I could train this kind of person, that I could train a bodybuilding type person if they wanted to get ready for a figure competition or a fitness competition, and I could do so in a healthy way. So I trained for a figure competition. And if you don't know what that means, it's basically you get on stage in a sparkly bikini and show off your muscles, to be honest. That's really all it is. Kind of weird thinking back now that that's what I did, but I did it. But I did it with the best intentions. I followed a paleo template for the most part. I did add in some grass-fed whey protein shakes. But other than that, I was 100% paleo during that time. I also tried to work out in the most healthful way possible. I was doing some strength training. I was doing some sprints and running, but I was trying to not be a bodybuilder, but still prove that through my healthy diet and through resting more than some others would, that I was able to do that and to get into the proper shape to pose in this figure competition. So I had the best intentions, but 
To be honest, I don't think that there is any possible way for a female to get down to that body fat percentage, lower their weight to that degree to be able to get on stage and flex their muscles in that way without unhealthy circumstances. At the end, I was eating a very few amount of calories. Like I would say I didn't really ever track or calculate anything, but I would say probably 800 to 1,000 calories. I was working out twice a day. My water intake, you know, you kind of can manipulate your water intake to basically dehydrate you so you look a little leaner towards the end. I mean, there's just all this stuff that you do that is not healthy for your body. But by then I was so into it. I had just gotten into this really weird headspace that I couldn't even see beyond that. And in that time, so I did that for 14 weeks, although I would say I was undernourishing myself for probably the last six weeks. Before that, I was eating plenty, but in the last six weeks, undernourishing myself and over-exercising. So at that point, I started, well, definitely lost my period. I got into too low of a body fat percentage to maintain a normal menstrual cycle. So I lost my period, started losing hair, wasn't sleeping well, was having insomnia basically in the middle of the night. I also started having a flare-up again of my ulcerative colitis really, really badly to the point there a couple times, I want to say two times I went to the urgent care because it was so painful and it was keeping me from work to, I couldn't even stand up, let alone be a personal trainer. So I wasn't able to work during that time too for some of it. So that was a wake up call. Now I realize at the time I just was still in this weird mindset that that really didn't matter. What mattered was getting to my goal. And getting to that point where I could step on stage in a sparkly bikini and show off my muscles. So once that was over, I competed in the competition. Then I finally was able to get my head on straight and realize that I now needed to take care of my body. I needed to try to undo the damage I had just done. So again, kept eating paleo, started eating more food, obviously, because I had undernourished my body for so long at that point that my body was just crying out for food and uh, went into an autoimmune protocol in order to try to, again, get my body into remission from this autoimmune disease so I could potentially get off the medication. The autoimmune protocol, for those that don't know, you're basically paleo, but then you also take out nightshade vegetables, nuts and seeds, eggs, and some other things I can't think of right now, but some pretty big things, right? And so I restricted my diet even more, went really, really clean with it all, was making sure to eat enough food, and I started feeling a little bit better. I started having less symptoms. My medication seemed to be working. I was was feeling better. I was having good energy. Now, the downside of this is I was also starting to alienate myself from my social life because it's really hard when you can't have eggs, nuts, seeds, grains, dairy, like all these things you can't have to be social and to go out to dinner with your friends or to happy hour or go out for a drink or anything like that. I wasn't drinking alcohol at the time, obviously, either. And so I started to really have some issues 
with my social life and just starting to feel really lonely. And that was a really, really hard time for me to make that adjustment and try to get healthy and want to get healthy, but also have to try to balance wanting to just feel like a normal person and have a normal life. Now, in that time, I also started to train again, as you can see, someone that likes to have an end goal, especially when it comes to my fitness routine. I started to train for a powerlifting competition. I had just found through working with my trainer, I had been working with a trainer for a number of years at this point and getting through that figure competition that I was naturally really strong. And I could lift a lot more weight very easily than people my frame, you know, my size. So that went into a new decision to train for a new kind of competition where I was lifting a bunch of weight. I was doing a deadlift, a squat, and a bench press for basically as much weight as I could for one rep. And that took probably about three months, I'd say, of training, maybe a little bit more of training for that. The workouts honestly were really great. They're pretty mellow. You rest a lot because you're lifting a lot of weight. It ended up being a really great spot for me to be in that time when I was trying to heal my body. But you know, I was still putting a lot of stress on my body to be able to lift that amount of weight several times a week for three, four months was a lot. And then almost, I think, a month and a half after that, I was then going to be in a Tough Mudder competition, which Again, if you don't know what that is, it's an obstacle race anywhere between 10 and 12 miles with, gosh, probably 20 or so obstacles. I don't remember how much it was, but it was far. It was hard. It was going to be up in the mountains, going up and down a mountain running. So I needed to prepare. So then I started running more, doing more sprints, swimming, that kind of stuff on top of also training for this powerlifting meet. So once again, lots of stress on the body. And... I had to continue with my autoimmune protocol throughout this whole thing because I couldn't not. It was the only thing that was keeping my symptoms somewhat in check, although I had to be on all my medication. But anytime I tried to go off the autoimmune protocol, I would get my symptoms to return, even if I was on medication. So I was doing so much to my body, and the only way that I could control the health whatsoever was to be on this super restrictive diet and take medication. That was the only thing that I could do to keep this all in check. Now, once all that was over, this is where things, believe it or not, really start getting interesting. The next month after I had just finished my Tough Mudder competition, by the way, The powerlifting meet was great. I went into it completely autoimmune protocol eating. Everyone else was eating all this weird random stuff during the meet. And I had brought, I will never forget, I brought roasted beets, ground beef, and dried mango. And that was what I ate. Obviously, I was not keto at the time, just working on the autoimmune protocol. But yeah, I felt really good during that time. And it it was really fun. And I actually ended up doing really, really well. And at the time, and this was back again, five years ago, I ended up getting the deadlifting record for my state for my size, which is really cool. I don't know if that's still the case. I haven't bothered to look, but it was cool at the time. The Tough Mudder also went okay. Honestly, it's something I will never do again. It was very awful, (laughs) but at least I made it through, but just being cold and wet and muddy and then cold again and then wet again and then muddy again and just 
so much running up and down hills. It was crazy. But that's a whole nother story. Glad I did it. Never do it again. After all of this, I one night decided to make some chicken soup. I had some chicken out. It had been out for not more than a few days from the freezer. I cooked it up, made this awesome dish. I still have the picture because I took a picture of it because it was so pretty, a really nice soup that I created and I ate it and it tasted funny, but I kept eating it because I was hungry. I was tired. I just wanted to go to bed. I had an early morning the next day, continued eating it. And then the next day got violently ill and I was violently ill for three weeks which prompted me, and by violently ill, I mean throwing up, diarrhea, could not keep any food in my system for three weeks. I ended up losing 13 pounds in three weeks on my already very small frame at the time. It was just insane because I could not keep anything in my body. And it was scary, very, very scary to the point where this actually is what prompted me to go to my very first naturopath. So I'm very happy that that happened for that reason. Prompted me to go to my naturopath. We did a stool test and it came up that I had salmonella. So I think that chicken had salmonella and I got it. Why this is important to the story is not because of salmonella. I ended up taking some antibiotics to kill it. I took some probiotics at the time. I was under the care of a naturopath. Everything was fine. However, what happened because of that salmonella poisoning, that became the stress trigger on my body, which I'd already been through a lot of stress. This was like the tip of the iceberg. It just became too much on my body and everything started to really unravel. So this will all come full circle in just a minute, but that was the tipping point for my body to not be able to tolerate anything. It was kind of the trigger that happened. So that salmonella infection led to so many other health issues over the next few years that I really don't think I would have even noticed or even uh, had an issue with had I not had that salmonella infection. So it was very interesting how that all worked out. So once that salmonella infection happened and I was able to treat that, that is when, even though at the time I was autoimmune protocol I was in the best shape of my life, having just done all of those competitions. I gained a decent amount of weight back, so I was at a decently healthy weight from that low body weight that I was at for my figure competition. And then again, when I was infected with salmonella, I was still getting sicker and sicker. So it went from having that salmonella type symptoms to now having extreme fatigue to the point where I couldn't get out of bed brain fog and memory loss and word recollection issues, which is really hard for people to understand when you say brain fog until you've been through it. And then it's literally the only way you can describe it. You feel like your head is in the clouds the whole time, the whole day, no matter what you're doing. You cannot think of things that would be very easily normally to think about. It's scary especially when you can't remember words like book or school or computer. You can't think of those words. It's very weird. That started happening, severe joint pain. I started having major issues in my workouts and actually eventually 
didn't even have the energy to do the workouts I was used to doing. So really had to modify those. And I started gaining weight rapidly. So I went from, you know, being at my lowest weight probably ever to quickly gaining about 40 pounds all said and done, which was over the course of six to seven months, went from one end of the spectrum to the other. And I'm 5'1", I'm a small person. So that was a lot of weight for someone to gain. It, you know, it's a lot for a, a lot of a, it's a lot for anyone, but for someone with a small frame, it's very obvious and noticeable and really hard on the body. So that happened in a very quick amount of time. All this stuff just really started piling up. Luckily, I went back to my naturopath and started to kind of explain these new symptoms. And she was the one that first mentioned mold to me. At the time, I was living in the basement of a home I had rented for a number of years. But during that period of time, when I was training for my figure competition, we had a flood here in Boulder. And it was just devastating to a lot of the town. And my basement flooded where I was living. All my stuff, it flooded. I was able to get a lot of it out before it got wet, but there were certain things that didn't. Obviously, the whole basement, the entire floor was about 10 inches worth of water and it was completely destroyed by water. So I had to move out for the period of time, move into a a room upstairs that we actually had an empty room upstairs, which was great while they redid it. Now I was renting from a property management company. They had a lot of other properties that were damaged, so they couldn't get to it really as quickly as they would probably have normally. So that basement spent a few days being flooded and being wet and allowing obviously for mold to grow. Wasn't something I really thought about. They ended up replacing a lot of the drywall and the carpet and stuff like that, but didn't replace everything, probably didn't do as good of a job as they would have had it been their own home, that kind of stuff, and ended up moving back into the basement, which once my naturopath mentioned mold, really got me thinking, oh, this basement may not be mold-free after the flood. So luckily she brought that up first and did some blood tests and I we were able to determine that that was in fact what was going on. Now here is where this wasn't something that she specialized in, so I had to go find another naturopath who luckily there was one right down the street from where I was living that did specialize in mold treatment and I was able to go and get started with him. Now, this is where I really want to spend some time talking about what to do if you're in this situation. Because for me, I went to someone that already had done this before and knew what to do. And I think that that's really important. If you think that mold might be an issue for you, then go find someone. It is worth every single cent because more than likely you're going to have to pay out of pocket for this kind of doctor. It's usually a naturopath or a functional medicine doctor or something like that. Find someone that has treated mold before and that that's something that they specialize in and get treated appropriately because otherwise you will spend years chasing the tail of something you can never get control over until you have someone that has experience with it. Look at your case. And all you have to do is go to Google and search shoemaker protocol 
in your area. You can search mold doctor in your area, do a couple different searches, call and ask the receptionist if they have experience treating mold patients, if that's something that they would work on, find the right person. Now, if you don't know, so for instance, I had no idea. That was not even something that I had considered or thought of. Luckily, the naturopath that I was working with at the time at least knew to think of that and to test for it. And there are specific tests. They're blood tests. Again, if you go to the right doctor, they will know these blood tests to run. Again, it is worth every single penny to get those blood tests run. And you can find out more about all of this and the tests and doctors and all that stuff if you go to survivingmold.com. And I'll link to that in the show notes. You can also go to biotoxinjourney.com. That was a website that really helped me get through all of this. Those two are my favorites. You can go to those and get information and perhaps even find a doctor in your area that's certified. That is Dr. Shoemaker's website, the Surviving Mold one, he is the one that created the first ever protocol for mold. I think now there might be a few others, but back when I was going through it, that was kind of the one that was known to be effective. That's the one that I followed and that's the one that worked for me. But there may be others, as long as you find a practitioner that you trust, you will be able to get help. Now, I also want to mention, again, I, I this is where I really have to break in my story to really start giving some advice because this is a really hard time for me. And again, something I had no idea even existed and ended up being really, really imperative to my health. So if any of those symptoms sound familiar to you and you've tried everything and you feel like you're doing everything right and you're still having these, I would say the most important one would be those cognitive symptoms. If you are in severe brain fog, word recollection, especially accompanied by joint pain, by extreme fatigue, please go get this checked out. It is worth it to get an answer one way or the other if this is something that you need to work on. Now, 24% of the population has a genetic mutation that does not let your body detox from biotoxin illnesses like mold and Lyme disease, the two most common. There are some other lesser known ones too, but your body doesn't have the ability to detox from these. And that was the case for me. I had this gene that my body didn't know how to process this mold, this biotoxin that was in my environment, it was getting into my body and I couldn't detox from it. So the natural response for your body when there's an invader is to, first of all, heighten your immune system and also inflame your body. It's a protection mechanism. So it's called chronic inflammatory response syndrome because your body gets into this inflamed state in trying to protect itself and it can't shut it off because of that biotoxin that can't be removed and detoxed from your body. Now, 76% of the population will go into a moldy place. They may not feel good at the time, but they'll leave, their body will detox from it, and they're good to go. But 24%, which is kind of a lot of people, won't be able to do that, and it will cause massive illness and massive symptoms. So this is where it becomes really important to find someone to work with, to figure all of this out for you so you don't have to do it alone. You don't have to try to figure this out alone, and you can actually get well. So that's my little spiel about biotoxin illness because I think it's 
really important. I have helped so many people who had no idea this was going on with them, whether that was through one-on-one clients, whether it was through the Fat Burning Female Project, even just posting on Instagram about it. More people are finding out that this is what's going on with them and they're actually getting help and getting well. So again, if you have any of the symptoms I described, if you just have tried everything and you're not feeling any better, and most importantly, if you've ever in your life been in a place where there's mold, whether it's a workplace, your home, even your childhood home, this can stay in your system your entire life. It can stay there for years. Your body will never know how to detox from it. So, you know, if you started feeling bad years ago when you lived in a certain house and now you've since moved, but you still feel bad, then that's a really interesting symptom to get checked out. Okay, that's my soapbox for the mold situation. I hope that helps some of you. And again, even if you're not necessarily dealing with this, but you know of a family member or a friend or coworker or anyone in your life that's having some weird stuff happen to them and don't know what's going on, it's worth it to get it checked out. Yes, you will have to probably pay out of pocket, like I said, but it's worth it. Before we move on with this episode, I want to take a second to tell you all about Trabali Burgers. They are a proud sponsor of the Keto for Women show and one of my all-time favorite must-haves in the kitchen because they're so convenient. Trabali Burgers are made of the highest quality, cleanest ingredients you can imagine, organic, grass-fed, pasture-raised meats, herbs, and spices. Basically, all of the ingredients you would use yourself if you're making your own burgers at home, except they've already done it for you. Not only that, they freeze them too. So these are frozen burger patties that are just the highest quality foods you would ever want. And that's what makes them so convenient. You take them out of the freezer, pop them in a pan or on the grill, and within 10 minutes, you're ready to eat. I always make sure I have them on hand for times when I'm traveling or I just forgot to take out things from the freezer to cook for dinner. This always comes in handy and makes a great meal no matter what. They come in three flavors, Mediterranean and umami that are the beef flavors and chipotle chicken, which is my personal favorite. So good as a taco salad ingredient. You've got to try it. Trabali burgers are available at Target and Natural Grocers now. They've been at Whole Foods too, so you can get them pretty much almost anywhere nowadays, which is really exciting. But you can also get them on their website at tribalifoods.com. That's T-R-I-B-A-L-I foods.com. And use the coupon code KETO, the number four women, and you'll get 15% off your order. That's tribaliburgers.com and use the coupon code KETO for women to get 15% off your order. You can go ahead and use the link in the show notes to head over there now and grab your burgers. You'll be so happy you did the next time you need a quick meal. Now going back to my story, that was the case for me. At this time, I was also diagnosed with my second autoimmune disease, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, My antibody markers were off the charts high at the time. I had to get on thyroid medication to control that. And at the time, I just thought my body was just totally failing me. Now I can see years away from that, that it was actually just a symptom of that inflammation and the immune system just going off the charts high from being in that moldy basement. 
Of course, I moved from that moldy basement. I actually had to move in with my parents for a few months until I found a new place to live, found a new place to live, moved in there, and then that place turned out to have mold. I was living there for about three months before I was able to get it tested. This was just after, again, not feeling well, just not getting any better. I was doing the protocol at the time, which not to get into too many details because it's a very extensive protocol, but it does involve certain medications. It involves certain supplements. It involves certain lifestyle changes. I was doing all of it and not getting better. So that's when I realized, oh, I was back in mold. So I had to move again. And now the hard part, not only do you have to move yourself when you are in a moldy environment and you have this genetic mutation, but you also have to get rid of most of your stuff. Anything that is porous that could be carrying mold spores, you need to either clean in a very systematic process that doesn't work that often or get rid of everything. And so I chose to get rid of everything twice. (laughs) So I was living with bare minimum stuff, had to get rid of all my clothes, my shoes, my bedding, my bed, all my furniture, everything like that, and start over. But at that time, this is where I was at such a low point that I didn't even care. I did not care if I had to get rid of my stuff and have basically five outfits that I was living out of for a while. I just wanted to get well. I just wanted to feel better again. So it was worth it to me to just do what I needed to do, move where I needed to move and feel better. So from there, I was able to get into a place that was definitely mold free. I was the first person to ever live in it. It was a brand new building. I had it tested, I had it inspected, all of the stuff I needed to do to make sure that it was safe, and I moved in. And that was the place that I was in for two years prior to where I'm living now in my new condo. That place became my sanctuary. It was where I was able to finally heal my body, and it was where everything started to finally fall into place. I really needed that spot that was clean. It was mine. I was living alone. I could take the time I needed, I could do what I needed to get well. Now, what I want to point out back to the salmonella, a thing about the mold illness is that some people may have this gene and it may not be expressing. That's the thing with all of our genetic code is some of it expresses and some of it doesn't. What causes that to start expressing is obviously being exposed to that biotoxin and also some sort of other pre-qualifying stressful event. So for your body to get into such a state that it almost flips it on, it's like a switch that flips on. That salmonella, I believe, which I'll never truly know, was the flip of the switch that I needed to start experiencing these symptoms where I had not had any prior, even though I was still living in that basement, that is what really turned everything on. So a lot of people will have been in a moldy situation and then all of a sudden they have a baby or they go through a divorce or they change jobs or something that's stressful and then they start noticing that their body is falling apart. And that really can still be a contributor to the mold really taking hold in the body and that whole chronic inflammatory response syndrome starting. So I wanted to point that out as it really makes sense in my story for sure. And this is where things start getting better. I move into my new apartment. I continue on with the shoemaker protocol for mold illness and I start feeling better. This is also when I start keto. 
I go to my new practitioner who's helping me with the shoemaker protocol and he suggests intermittent fasting to kind of help start detoxing my bad damaged cells with that autophagy that happens when you fast. I knew as a nutritionist at the time I had, you know, gone through actually the sickest point during the salmonella and all that stuff was when I was going through the nutritional therapy practitioner training program, believe it or not. So I was able to get through that. I started my nutrition practice. I was still a personal trainer at the time doing both at the same time and things were going really well in that regard. But I knew also through that training and through just my own research that the best way to start fasting was by already being fat adapted by producing ketones, getting into that keto adaptation phase, and really working to let the body know it could use fat as fuel during that fast. So that prompted me to start keto. And here I am two years later, still doing keto, still feeling amazing. It was a process. It was one of those things where in the first week, I felt like 10% better, which at the time I was so, so low and feeling so, so bad that that 10% really made a difference. And then within the next month, I was feeling 20% better. And then the next few months, I was feeling 30% better. And it just kept going and going and going. It was this slow build of certain things just feeling awesome again and other things taking a while to improve. But I could get enough benefit each and every week to understand that that's what my body needed to do, that it was working, and that it would get me to my healthiest at some point. For me and where I was and where I started, it took about a year and a half, I would say, of doing keto to get truly 100% totally the healthiest I had ever been. It was a year and a half of being keto and then also doing these nine other things that we're going to talk about here in a minute, the combination of that is what got me to my optimal health. But it wasn't overnight. It wasn't easy. It wasn't fast. It just felt right. And that's really where this whole lifestyle piece came out of keto, knowing that I could do this forever, that I wanted to do this forever because every week gets better and better and my health gets better and better. And I knew that in order for that to continue happening and for me to get to where I wanted to be with my health, I needed to make this a lifestyle. I needed to think about this in terms of health. Now, the other thing that changed when I went keto is that for the first time in my life, I didn't eat for my aesthetic goals for what I wanted to look like, for how much I wanted to weigh, how little body fat I wanted to have. And this was really, really hard at the time because again, remember I had gained a lot of weight. I was at the highest weight by far that I had ever been. I was at least three sizes more than I had ever been in as far as pants and dress sizes. I didn't even look like myself. I didn't recognize myself. I didn't know who that person in the mirror was. I had a lot of moments where I really, really hated on my body. I really, really hated on the situation. I went even deeper into a hole of just isolation because I was so sick and I had no energy and I had no clothes to wear and I had no belongings. All I needed to do was get better and it got me into this really dark place. But from that dark place, which 
we'll talk about when we talk about the things I do now and why I do them, a lot of it came from that dark place. And one of the things was giving up trying to look a certain way. It was in that dark moment when I realized I just wanted to feel well again, because that is what had gotten me into that darkness was feeling terrible and not having the energy or the brain power or the motivation or anything I needed to be able to function and be happy in my life. It wasn't what I looked like that was keeping me from doing that. It was my health and the lack of health that was keeping me from living my best life. So when I realized that, it made me understand that all I wanted was to be healthy again. If that meant that I had to stay a certain weight or be a certain size clothing or whatever, look a certain way for the rest of my life, that's fine as long as I had the health I needed to truly function and live my life to the fullest and be 100% happy again because I was really unhappy. And it was all based around the level of health I had at that moment, which was very, very low. So then I just started to eat. I started to eat the most nourishing, nutrient-dense keto foods that I could find. I made sure that I was always nourished, that I was listening to my body, that I was eating what sounded good, because I knew, again, as someone that had tried to practice intuitive eating in the past unsuccessfully, but had tried, that I did know my body would tell me what it needed. And at the time, it needed balance. It needed to get well again. And that was the most important thing. And so when I listened to that, and when I made that the priority and was willing to go there, that's when things started to fall in place. I got really good ketone readings. I had a really easy time getting into ketosis. I felt really good once I got there. It was easy to maintain because I had let everything go except for the desire to be healthy and knowing that keto was one of those things that would get me there. So I think that's where a lot of my passion for this topic comes from, not only the keto topic, because I saw how powerful it was in my own life and to get my health back in a slow, controlled, methodical, really, really balanced manner. But I also saw what it did for my mental health, for me to finally break free from thinking about my aesthetic goals when it came to the food I was putting on my plate and to finally be free around food and to listen to my body when it came to my meals, to be intuitive with what I ate. This was the first time it had ever happened to me. And again, in my entire career, all I ever want is as soon as I learn something through my own experience, I want to share that with as many people as I can. And so this is what prompted the Keto for Women show, the Fat Burning Female Project. All of this came from this really, really dark place that I was in, but what I learned from it and how I got out of it and how badly I want you to get out of it too. Whether you are going through a hard time with your health, which I think some of you are, or maybe you just are in a bad place mentally or emotionally or with your relationships or your job or something like that, there's still something keeping you stuck from being at your healthiest and happiest. And 
to have been there too and to know how that feels and to sometimes feel like there's no way out and it's never going to end and you're never going to get your life back. It is such a desperate, terrible place to be. And I want you to know with every ounce of my body that you don't have to be there. You will not be there forever. The quicker that you can wrap your head around all of this, the better. You will get well as soon as you reach that point where you're ready to hear all of this and you're ready to take action with it all. And the first one that we're talking about, we're only getting to one today, is keto. Because that's the one thing that I do every single day that makes me feel amazing, has lasted for two years in my life and keeps getting better and better every single day. Now, as I've mentioned just in this whole spiel that I gave, I can't do keto strictly. I don't have the type of mindset, and I don't know if any of us do, to be totally honest, especially those of us listening that have come from past dieting habits. I don't have the ability in my brain to do anything strict without getting obsessive about it, without it controlling my life, without it damaging my body and my stress levels. I can't do it. And I think a lot of you are in that point too, where you may not even know that yet, but once you release that and allow yourself to not be strict with the diet, you will see how damaging it is when you do get in that pattern, how easily it is for you to get into that pattern and that you just can't do it, that you just have to say no. So my keto diet that has happened now for two years from day one, it's been this and it's evolved a lot. You know, there was a period of time there when I was really, really working to heal my body and I was going through the mold protocol. I had to eat really, really high fat to get my brain to function, to feel like a normal person, to have any sort of energy. I was eating really, really high fat. Now it's less fat and more protein and more carbs because I'm working out differently. I'm back to working out intensely, but I want to do so with the right mindset. And that's what we'll talk about in the second thing that I do to keep me healthy next week. But I've learned in this process that I want my keto to have no rules, no restrictions, no structure. I just want to eat what sounds good, what feels good, what my body's telling me it wants, what my body's telling me it needs, and what keeps me in ketosis. That's it. Those are my only goals. And I am able to stay in ketosis, produce ketones, be fat adapted with more protein and more carbs right now. Will that stay the same forever? No, probably not. It's going to change. It changes every single day. I still have days where I eat pretty much all fat, and I love those days too. But all I'm doing is flowing with it. I'm flowing with my version of keto. I'm letting me be me just as I want you to be you. And I know we talk about this a lot on the Keto for Women show, but I want to continue bringing up this topic because we have new listeners all the time. And even those old listeners, you still need this reminder too. There is no keto rule that you need to follow so strictly that it takes control of your food or your life or your happiness or anything like that. All you need to do is learn how to eat intuitively, which I know we talk about here quite a bit, although it is a tough thing to explain and a tough thing to truly wrap your head around until it happens to you. But just focus on being happy and focus on being healthy. Use keto to do that. 
When you do that, you will feel such an immense sense of freedom around your food choices that it won't matter what anyone else is doing or saying or feeling or showing you, you will just be doing you. And that's what I really, really want. I think that is the number one thing that I can tell you as far as how to make keto healthy. Besides, of course, eating all the healthy foods and making sure your meat is properly sourced and your veggies are organic and all that stuff, which we'll talk about later. But beyond that, do what works for you and you will reach your healthiest you much quicker than doing what's working for somebody else or what someone else has told you to do or what foods are quote unquote keto or quote unquote not keto. Don't worry about that stuff. Get into ketosis, find what works for you to stay in ketosis, find what works for you to stay happy and find what works for you to stay healthy and just do that and be fine with that changing every single day if that's what your body is telling you it needs to do. I know I make it sound easy and I know it's not easy, but this is a place to start. Okay, we only got through one of the 10 other things that I wanted to talk about today. But of course, my story ended up taking longer than I thought. But I really, I don't think I've ever, ever shared that much detail about everything that's happened in the past five years to me. And I didn't even talk about this emergency surgery I had, but that's neither here nor there. It was fine. But I really wanted to share that again so that those of you who are experiencing similar things can get the help that you need, but those of you that are trying to find your own health journey can understand that what I teach is through having been there, having been in the exact same position that you are, and so I get it, and I want to empower you in that bad place that you might be in right now, or even just that mediocre place that you're in right now, that you can get to a really good place. I promise. And I want that for you so badly. And that's where I'm at. That's my passion. That's why I'm here talking to you every single week, hosting classes for you in the Fat-Burning Female Project, where we talk about this stuff so much more and really work on this first part, this keto part that's so hard for some people to truly get. And then we move on and we have a whole different mindset. Now, here's just a teaser of what I want to talk about next week when I talk about now that I've been through all that and I've gotten out of it and I'm here, what did I learn in those five years that I now make a habit every single day to do to keep me healthy? Now, we already went through number one, although we'll probably kind of recap that next week. That's this unrestricted, my version of keto. Number two, movement. Challenging myself and my body just enough and resting when I need to and pushing when I have energy. Number three, non-toxic living. We've talked about that a few times on the Keto for Women show, but we'll talk about it in more detail here. Number four, sauna therapy, which I have posted about my sauna a few times on Instagram and and Facebook. I even asked if you wanted me to talk about my sauna here on the podcast, and some of you said that you did. So I'm going to talk about what I do in the sauna and why I do it. Number five, mindset. I changed my mindset. I'll let you know what I do to make sure that mindset stays where I want it to be. 
Number six, stress management, stress relief, and self-care. That's all one, even though it's a big one, it's all in one. Number seven, my connections. I really make sure to foster good connections with humans, not people on Instagram or Facebook, with actual face-to-face humans, spending quality time with my partner, my friendships, my family, and making sure all of those are strong. Number eight, I keep tabs with my health. So I make sure to continue to monitor and test things. I adjust as necessary. So I'll let you know the tests that I recommend doing on a periodic basis, when to do them, what to ask for, what to look for, all that stuff. Number nine, I seek outside help. So I go to acupuncture at least twice a month. I do massage. I do yin yoga. I have other things that I need help with that others need to help me with. And I don't mind asking for help. And then number 10, I do everything I can to be happy as much of the time as I can. And I'd have to say it's a hard one. It's the best one. But I can honestly say I'm happy like 99.9% of my life, even when things aren't going well, aren't going right, are stressful or whatever through it all. It's because of these other things that I'm doing. It's because I've gotten to that bottom basement low that I refuse to ever get back to. And being so low, trust me, when you get high, when you get out of it and you get up there, you'll be so appreciative of being way up there that you'll be nothing but happy just for staying there. All right. So we're going to talk about all of those next week. I'm sorry for taking so much time talking about myself, but I hope you all have found at least some part that you can connect to and respond to and that you understand that now what I will tell you that I do for me will also work for you. And that's why I'm here because I've been there. All right. Let's save it for next week. I'll talk to you then. Until then, have a great week. See you next time. Bye. Bye. 